0: Well, hello and welcome to worship this morning. My name is Lauren Ropkin and I serve as one of your pastors here at First Methodist Mansfield. And I'm so thankful to be here and worship with you this morning, especially in the well and upstairs in the well cafe. And these places serve as my worship home. So it is an honor um, to be here uh, just to speak with you this morning and to worship with you. Um, so today our scripture comes from Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And if you're using the blue Bibles provided, you can find that on page 1824. Uh, But before we get there, I want to do a quick recap of the past couple of weeks because I have just fallen in love with this series. The first week, we talked about how great families are intentional. They intentionally do things that allow the Spirit to work through them and around them in their conversations, in their deeds. The second week, we talked about how great families invest in each other. They invest in each other under their roof, their direct families, but also in other families. And then last week, we touched on living a life of radical hospitality. We're reminded that everyone is invited to the table. And as Christians, we are called to invite and make room. And today, we're going to be talking about living a sacrificial life. But please Do not worry. No second offering is coming your way, as many of you, I'm sure, are expecting. We're not going to do that today. Um, But I do want to have a conversation about what this looks like, this sacrificial life. I know that there are many stories of sacrificial living out there. There's books written that people do these things, and then amazing things follow after. I could stand up here, and I could tell you all of those stories, and you would say, yeah, yeah. Like, we've heard those stories before, But I want to talk about what this looks like for us right now. In this room, upstairs in the cafe, what sacrificial life looks like for us this weekend, when we leave here today. Not next week, not in five years from now, but right now. What does a sacrificial life look like? And how are we to share this message with the world that teaches us to be painfully selfish? This morning, I want to define sacrificial living um, as the call to live outside of one's self, to live in a way that honors God through our sacrifice towards each other, as opposed to glorified thinking of oneself. This sacrifice can look like very different things, depending on which person in the situation. But to have this conversation of sacrificial living this morning, there is one story that I just could not help um, but tell. So as I told you, the well and the well cafe, y'all are my people. This is my home. So this morning, I'm going to bear a bit of my soul with you. Um, So I need us to promise um, that this is a safe place, that there's no judgment, that we are all brothers and sisters, and we will leave all brothers and sisters. Um, But so as you heard in the video announcements, and as I'm sure you have seen, um, our pumpkin patch is finally here. Now, if you are anything like me, uh, one of my top five favorite things to do is to walk outside with my fall clothes on and a hot coffee drink in hand and just see the pumpkins and see the little babies dressed as pumpkins um, or for the parents who put their babies inside the pumpkins. It's a safe space, as I told you. uh, But you just see all this beautiful stuff out there. Now, I'm going to let you guys in on what may be a secret to some of you. Uh, The truth is, prepare your hearts. That pumpkins, those pumpkins out there, and the cute setup don't actually just appear overnight. (laughs) I know, I know. It's a little bit more of a secret. Um, Some of your minds are more blown than others, but that's okay. Now, I'm just going to pull back the curtain here even more. I hate setting up the pumpkin patch. (laughs) Like thinking about it right now, like if you see my arm, there like there are bumps on my arm. I hate setting up that pumpkin patch; it makes me cringe. And every year, as a staff, uh, we sit down and we begin to have the conversation of pumpkin patch around July. Um, so our pumpkin patch lasts a lot longer. Um, we start it in July. We talk about what it will look like, um, how many we should order on the first batch, how many we should order on the second batch. And then we decide the dreaded day of pumpkin unloading. When thousands of pumpkins arrive in this 18 wheeler, and it's like literally bowing out on the sides because of the ridiculous number we have to order. And this year, we began our conversation. We ordered 2,825 large pumpkins. Um, If you happen to see my Facebook post, I said 28,250. There is a reason that I'm a pastor and not a math teacher. Uh, (laughs) It was 2,000, not 28,000, but I like to dream big for us here, really big. Um, And then we order about a gazillion of the tiny pumpkins because those are the cutest things that never ever go bad. Um, And then we set the date for pumpkin unloading September 25th. Now it's the Monday before the unloading and our student ministries team is sitting in the office and someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna check the weather for pumpkin unloading. I'm sure it's gonna be great. Uh, so they go to September 25th, 100% chance, thunderstorm. Like not just kind of rain, like lightning bolts, there's the cloud picture and it, it is awful. So we panic, what, what do we do? We can't reschedule. We can't ask them to come early or to delay and we can't cancel this. Now, normally on a pumpkin unloading day, it's still pretty warm outside. Uh, there's about 50 or so people who come help us unload, and it usually takes about three to four hours. And also, we typically order like 500 less pumpkins. Um, but so I think you get a sense of where my mind was at this point. It was not pretty. Uh, I knew I had two options here. I could make this a miserable, experience, which safe place I'm really good at doing, and it's typically my first instinct. Uh, Or I could choose to humble myself, to suck it up and have a positive attitude while bonding with my other coworkers in 100% chance of thunderstorms, risking our lives for the sake of Jesus, (laughs) unloading 2,825 large pumpkins, which was going to take us about 35 hours to do, but it was going to be a beautiful experience, Luckily, I chose that option, uh, surprisingly enough. But I have to be real with you. I really didn't have any other option because this is my job. (laughs) So I had to do it. And I could either choose to complain the whole week leading up to it or be positive. And so I humbled myself and I swallowed my pride. And I said, all right, we're going to do this. So September 25th arrives. Last Sunday, if any of you were here, you know the weather was 100% chance of thunderstorms. It just fulfilled its promise. So I'm walking out of this building out to the truck afterwards, and I'm like, okay, you got this, you got this, you got this. Um, But I was stopped in my tracks, and I saw this picture that we have. That, I don't know if you can count. I tried to count multiple times and lost count because there's, like, you can see there's little faces peering out from behind other faces. Over 100 volunteers, the most pumpkins we've ever ordered, unloaded in an hour and a half, 2,825 pumpkins. Tears, it was awesome. Tears literally filled my eyes. I'm standing out there and my friend is like, why are you crying? I was like, it's so beautiful. (laughs) There were so many people. It was Jesus, y'all. This picture is sacrificial living. These pumpkins do not just appear here every year, but they are placed by people. They are placed by you, your brothers and sisters, in these worship communities with you. This is you. This is your church standing out in the pouring rain, unloading pumpkins. This is the definition of sacrificial living. This is the kingdom And now my favorite part about this story here is that this is not the end, but it continues. You see, the money that is raised from selling these pumpkins goes towards our United Mission Week, which helps scholarship students to be able to attend. It helps us with supplies for working throughout our community. It's big. It keeps going and growing. These pumpkins are amazing. And through this process of these pumpkins, this unloading through Mission Week, Our students have the opportunity to learn how to live sacrificially and humbly. And we learn this type of love that is shown directly from Jesus Christ. Now, at the beginning, we define sacrificial living as the call to live outside of oneself. That is to take a step out into this world that tells us to go through whatever hoops we have to to be on top. That tells us that we need more money, that we need to be number one. And instead of falling into those traps, sacrificial living is surrendering everything we are in that brokenness to bring the kingdom here on earth. Now sometimes sacrificial living looks like unloading pumpkins in the rain. Other—that That is a very physical and tangible expression of it. But other times it may look like humbling yourself with the desire to always be right. Now I know none of us in this room have that desire. But Sometimes that is what sacrificial living looks like. Maybe biting our tongue or not posting that Facebook post. Uh, Maybe not keeping the conversation going just to prove that you are right. Sacrificing our pride. Sometimes sacrificial living is leading with love when the world is pulling you in the complete opposite direction. We are given a beautiful example of how to live this way. From Jesus Christ. So if you would please turn to Philippians 2 1 through 11, we'll hear from Paul's teaching. Verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, before we continue on, I want to pause there real quick. Uh, I want to point out that when it says being like-minded, this does not mean that we are to strive to be our neighbor, that we are a desire to be like someone else because God calls us to be like-minded. This means having the same focus, pushing towards Jesus, having that same love, being an individual but with one common purpose. We continue on in verse three that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interest, but each other's, but each of you to the interest of each other. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And here is that mindset. Here is that example. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. In every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. As followers of Jesus, we are to do nothing out of selfish ambition but to live thinking out of, Side ourselves we are called to share in relationships together as you heard in that scripture it does not say if you are in relationships but it directly says in your relationships with one another take the nature of a servant towards each other be humble sacrifice for the sake of the lord and his people we are called to be in relationships together and the truth is that that is not always easy Because we live in a world where people have been intentionally created different, but yet we are called to think the same. So how how do we do that? How do we be God's people in relationship with one another where there is not the same person? We follow Jesus. We follow the teachings of Jesus directly. We humble ourselves for the sake of Jesus. Whether that means standing in the pouring rain unloading 2,825 pumpkins Or whether that means holding our tongue and sacrificing our pride. For all that we do in this life and the next should be done for the glory of God the Father. Everyone serving one glorious name. Everyone doing things solely for the sake of others. Every tongue acknowledging that Jesus is Lord and allowing that thought to guide their lives. That That's beautiful, right? I mean, I think we could all agree, most of us would agree that that is a beautiful life. Everyone agreeing and serving Jesus and loving each other. And I think that most of us, we want to jump on this train. We want to live a sacrificial life. We want to be intentional families. We want to have radical hospitality and invite people in. And we sign up for everything. Put me in every small group you need. I'll eat everything you want. Uh, Every January, we make a resolution. Let's tithe 10%. Let's offer so much more. We have these intentions that are beautiful and that are great. But then the world meets us. It meets us with an equal and opposite force. This force is risk and fear. The fear that we are not enough. This world tells us that we are too small to make a difference. The fear that maybe we could be wrong about this whole thing. Or the fear that we don't even have enough to give, so why give? It meets us with the risk of being too much, too hard, and too scary. I want to tell you uh, what I believe to be one of the most beautiful stories of sacrificial living. Um, About two years ago, our church went to Rwanda, Africa, and there was a very beautiful woman named Michelle Gary. You guys can go ahead and put that picture up. Uh, Most of you probably know her uh, because this, the well, is her home service down here. Now, she recently joined our staff uh, on the children's team, but about two years ago, she was a teacher at Mary Jo Shepherd. Uh, This woman is someone who I would describe as Fearless. I've known her uh, since before I knew how to ride a bike, Uh, but now that I think about that, probably isn't the best example because safe space, I'm still not super successful about riding a bike. (laughs) (laughs) Bet my family um, got a real good kick out of that one. That's another story for a different day. Um, But uh, so I've known Michelle for a very long time. She is amazing, and she has this desire to serve where most people wouldn't want to serve. You could say that She sacrifices her comfort at all costs for the Lord. Uh, Now, I remember her journey getting to this trip of Rwanda was not easy. Uh, She seemed to be met with negative opposition throughout the entire process. Uh, So many barriers seemed to just push her away from this trip, Uh, but not in a sense that she wasn't called to this trip, but in a sense that um, there was good work to be done, and something was just trying to halt that. Uh, But she pushed through. She pushed through all of that she pushed through people telling her no life telling her no finances telling her no all this with fear financial fear work fear fear of leaving her children and going to a country where the week before we were there bombs were being thrown into the street outside of our hotel but michelle she felt a calling to this place on this trip to africa to these children And that stemmed from none other than the Lord. And she was relentless in pursuing her calling. I remember we were getting on the bus to leave the church and her sweet little mama's boy was just losing it. But through those tears, Michelle pushed on towards this calling that she felt called towards. And she knew that she could press into that calling because she knew that God would protect her, that God would protect her family. She sacrificed all comfort, all fear, and all risk that came with this opposition, and she went. And she returned home safely with an even bigger calling to missions, and now has a daughter who feels that same calling. So church, I want to ask you, where would you be today if you let this fear and this risk guide your decision making? Or maybe the truth is that you have let that idea of risk and fear guide your choices how have we as a church allowed this fear of sacrifice to take over our mindset I will tell you uh, I'm about six weeks into seminary uh, and I'm going to share some advice uh, that one of my professors gave me this past week there is risk in following Jesus but it is a worldly risk these risks, the sacrifice uh, that the Christian life calls us to make that narrow path that we talk about, it must be taken if we are willing to follow Jesus. As Pastor Johnny said the first week in this series, we are called to be a church that gets uncomfortable, that doesn't stay in its seat and just live right here and take nothing out of these doors. We are called to get uncomfortable, relentlessly chasing the Lord. This past week, that same professor uh, defined faith as a relentless pursuing of the Lord. We are called to be people who live outside of ourselves, who live outside and have a relentless pursuing towards the kingdom, living a life sacrificing time, sacrificing fear, sacrificing expectations and pride. And now in all of this, you may be thinking, how does that tie in with my family? How does this idea of sacrificial living meet the family meeting series? I want you to think about your family, whether that be your direct family or whether that be friends that you have made family. For all my students upstairs listening, uh, think about your Snapchat people and the ones with the stars by it. Uh, Think about these people, the people you do life with, the people in your small group that you group text, that you call when you need help? How do you sacrifice to these people? How do we serve them? How do we practice humility with them? How do we not value ourselves above those closest to us? And not just in your mind, not how do we just do this with our thoughts, but how do we do this out loud with our words, with our actions? And then how do we sacrifice to those people who we are called to be like-minded with, but we can't seem to agree on anything. I will tell you how. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ who was a servant and humble and obedient and exalted God. When Jesus says, every knee shall bow, y'all, we find this life of sacrifice when our knees hit the ground for the sake of our heavenly Father. And sometimes, like I said, this means unloading pumpkins in the rain. Sometimes this means getting way out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it means not posting our status, or giving a little bit more to God than to the latest trends out there. Sometimes it means dropping this idea that we have allowed to guide our lives, this idea of fear and risk. What what is it? What is it in your personal life where you could sacrifice more? Or where as a church could we sacrifice more to bring the kingdom here? I want to challenge you today to do something. Do something with this time. Do something with these prayers, with these songs, with this message. Don't just let this be an hour of your day. You see, we are in this series now. That does not uh, mean that we have these six individual messages that we thought would be good to give. But we have six messages that have built on each other. Great families. Are intentional families who live a life of sacrifice, investing in other families around them and inviting all to the table. I don't make this stuff up, people. That is the truth of all of our messages in one sentence. It all flows. And this is our calling as Jesus followers, making disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world. We are called to be great families that are intentional and that live a life of sacrifice, investing in other families, and inviting them to our table. And this is what I want to challenge you with today, to be an intentionally great family. Imagine if all of our families in this room and in the cafe upstairs, if we were an intentionally great family in our word and our deed, how would this church be different? How would your family be different and not to be cheesy, but how would the world be different? Because it's real. If we do something, if we are great families who are intentional and live a life of sacrifice, investing in others and inviting to the table, what would it look like? What would our lives look like? What would our news feed look like? Would we take on the idea of humility quicker? Than the complaints. would We press into those fears when everything is pulling us away. What would it look like? Will you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you today seeking to know you more. Seeking to show you more with our lives, God, with our actions, with our words. Seeking to love you well. God, today we pray as your church that we be people who live outside of ourselves. We pray to be equipped and empowered and strengthened. And we thank you for the sacrifice that you made in sending your son for us. And today we pray that his life is our example that we strive for. So, God, take our pride, take our fear, the risks that the world throws at us to put a stop at our relentless pursuing of you. We are here to be your people, God. So I pray that we have ears to hear and eyes to see where it is that you are calling us to sacrifice more. We come here to bow at your name, God, to live a life that glorifies you. It is in your beautiful name we pray, amen.